Good morning. It is 4.40 in the morning on a clear, not clear, but not raining day. Not too cold that I need my gloves. Time for the morning walk and talk on the Stream of Random podcast. <clears throat> so last night I was uh, chilling after work and uh, the doorbell rings. And these little kids are like trick or treat. And they're like, didn't you get the memo that we moved trick or treat to today? And I said, no, how am I supposed to know that? I didn't get the memo. Nobody told me. Nobody told me. So that's what happened. They moved trick-or-treat. They moved Halloween to another day. Just like that. It's no longer October 31st. It's just in the middle of the week. It doesn't make sense. So, how you guys doing? How you doing? Four, four, four. Schnapps. It's a drinking number. Schnapps number. Schnapszahl in German. 42 degrees Fahrenheit. 10 degrees above zero. I guess that makes it like five or something. Celsius. Yeah, I had fun yesterday doodling on my piece of paper and um, explaining things. I do enjoy that. And I thought it was interesting to see the construction on paper as a art, as a uh, performance art, but it's also as a... uh, a stream a stream of events a stream of actions and really a stream of instructions or decisions being made by the artist as to what words to put down and isn't that the same on this podcast where we're deciding to put words down not on paper on sound where we can't really see them as a result but we can listen to them in a stream of random and this is the stream of random podcast in case you didn't know and this is your hacker this is hacker mike your host 
giving you a little insight into my mind. Way up north. Today we're going to take a different route. We're going to cross the river down here. Going to cross the river down here on the bridge. So there is an equivalence um, between the writing and the speaking as the generation of a symbol, either through hand movements or mouth movements, muscle movements, and there is an equivalence between the receiving of a symbol, either through the visual or the audio, and it just creates neural impulses on on both ends you have neurons firing to emit a symbol and you have neurons firing to receive a symbol and it's really uh, brains communicating <coughs> over the ether and the brain doesn't care if the internet is in between or not it can't see the internet can't even see the outside world directly. They can interact with it through neurons. But if a neuron is labeled eye or a neuron is labeled ear, it's still just a neuron. Just part of the network. If a neuron is labeled hand or a neuron is labeled, you know, mouth, it's still just a neuron. Can we route the idea, the concept, the original impulse? Can be routed to both? Is there such a thing? The fixed point? And this is where we get into math, because through math, we have some agreed upon concepts, things that are clear, the one plus one equals two, the triangle, the circle, the square. Those are concepts that can be communicated easily, I think, or reference that everyone knows, axioms that are baked into the brain, 
And when Plato said that he discovered the eternal truth, did he not find that in his own brain, buried somewhere? The triangle and said, oh, this is the eternal concept. I found it in my subconscious. Or is it really something outside? And how do you know? If you're inside the cave, Plato's cave, chained to the wall, and everything is going on outside of you, outside the cave, you see the shadows on the wall of people walking by. Is that cave not our mind? And the shadows not our sensory perceptions? And the thing chained to the wall, our soul trapped in our body, chained to the ego, where in a Buddhistic sense, you're clinging to the ego, saying, this is mine, my precious, this is my one and only way to observe the world. But does not the bee observe the world and see the flower as well? Does not the tree observe the world through its leaves and its roots and its cells? Are these trees not communicating with each other? Making decisions and growing in certain places is not life as the genetic form observing the world and recording its observations in the gene code writing the book of life and the book of knowledge in those genes over generations. Right. We'll have a sip of coffee and think about that, kids. And gather around the fire. Warm your feet. And Uncle Mike is going to tell you a story. Yeehaw! A fireside chat. Yep, that's what this podcast is. We're telling stories. Spinning yarns, as they say. Creating epics or narratives that explain things 
Now, where I'm from in New Jersey, they explain things, they don't explain them. I started reading Malcolm X's autobiography last night. My dad has a big collection of books. This is from 1964. First edition. And, um... It's uh, too early to comment on it too much. And I don't want to get too much into it yet, but I'm reading it. It's interesting. And I also started reading a Shakespeare book. I just picked up a random page. And, um... I think, uh... I picked up this, uh... I picked up this um, poem, it was like the 12 seasons, and I look at it, the main character is the Duke of Illyrium. I'm like, Illyrium? That's Albania, where the Albanians consider themselves to be the Illyrians, and all the kids are named after the Illyrian tribes, the Arianites. And Ariana is named after the Illyrian tribe of the Arianites. So, Shakespeare has a whole play where the king of Illyria, and the thing is set in Illyria on the seaside. I guess that's... I'm assuming that's probably like Croatia or something. I'm just going to give you some snippets. I was listening to Alex Jones on Joe Rogan just now. And he said that China is a client state of the globalists. And I've also held that opinion for some time. He was saying exactly what I was thinking. That it's not the Chinese that are aggressing. It's really... China is a pawn of the globalist agenda, multinational corporations, and it's really America who went over to, with uh, Richard Nixon and George Bush Sr., um, went over to China to establish relations, and they're the ones who are moving jobs over there. and changing things up to profit the corporations. And really what we should be worried about is the corporatism in that respect. And we have to realize how small we are 
in light of corporations where we don't even have the ability to upload a freaking video without relying on the corporations. I can't share this podcast without relying on the corporations. And I have to beg for permission from them to please not delete me. And I have to work a minimum a minimum wage job of looking at advertising and clicking on likes and uh, I also have to uh, follow the rules of good corporate behavior meaning don't say anything that they don't want you to say otherwise they'll kick you off with their machines the algos And we're really being put into a state of disproportionate advantage where the large corporation has much more advantage over the small person, especially with machine learning, the actual usage of power, I mean, just the sheer amount of power needed. I do predict, though, that it will become much cheaper and affordable over time. Like the Moore's Law, where he said the CPU power has doubled. Well, I'd like to see the Mike DuPont Law saying that the power consumption of machine learning will half over time to do the same computations that every year it'll get twice as little power usage. Now, I'm just thinking that up. I have no idea if it's true or not. I'm just thinking that would be nice. But eventually it has to come down through technological advance. Can't just keep on going up and up. But then we're gonna say that the models are gonna get bigger and bigger. will get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger And the bigger the model, the more training it needs, so the power consumption will go up again. So, then we could also say that... Why is there no sidewalk on this road? Why am I even walking on it? It's very uh, unpleasant here with all these trees. I mean, all these cars. I need to find a side road.
So did you get back to the cave? get back to the cave. The, um, the shadows in the walls were symbolic or were abstractions of what was happening outside. And they weren't necessarily art. weren't necessarily art because they weren't intentional artworks captured. They were just the light hitting the passerum spies and then hitting the eye of the person chained to the cave. But the shadows represented the actions and decisions made by the passerby. And the person on the cave tried to understand that and saw the world through those shadows. I have to get away from this freaking trucks. It's horrible. Okay, I'm going back over the bridge. This is amazing. There's no sidewalks. There's huge trucks coming through. It's not going to make for a good podcast. Sorry about that, guys. So the decisions made created the movements in the body. It's like walk. And you could say they were walking. And Plato was saying that the person in the cave, they thought that these shadows were the world. But they weren't. They weren't the world. They were a shadow of the world. And we may think that the news on TV is the world. But it's not. It's not the world. These words that you hear in your ear with my voice, they don't represent the absolute truth. It's just some stuff that I thought up, that I'm thinking about, some ideas I'm wrestling with, some concepts I'm trying to 
cut out of stone. Good old American roads. Modern roads with no sidewalks. Just wide enough to get a truck through. With no, uh, nothing for the pedestrian. Just, just enough, nothing for the person who just wants to walk just for the person who has to buy a car and buy gasoline get his tires fixed to go from A to B so that you are beholden to the corporations and uh, petroleum companies to JD Rockefeller for the permission to go down the road well, isn't that funny that you have to pay your Rockefeller tax to go from A to B? You can't walk there no more. Because the people who did pay the tax will just run you over. And that's what's happening on the internet right now. Where the censorship. is coming up to be so great and well if you study the Chinese uh, communist philosophy or the communist philosophy in general you will learn that censorship is a stated goal it has been for many years I did a whole podcast on it that the religious fundamentalists and the communists were in bed together. The uh, radical Islamic countries that you're not allowed to say nothing bad about the religion and the communists to say that you're not allowed to say anything bad about the state religion of communism. Otherwise, you'll be executed or sent to the gulag, and then we'll die there. And this is also why people aren't telling the truth about the politics, because they don't want to get their houses set on fire by their neighbors. Um, we do need to do that episode on the uh, 
false um, <clears throat> on how Eastern Germany fell. Oh, man, I forget the word of it. Falsification of preference. Where people say they support the communism, but they don't. Because they can't. Let's see if I can get a shot of this. I don't know. Recording still going half an hour in. So I can't send you my file, my RSS feed without paying someone. being censored and this is where we're going to get into some blockchain soon DTube and other peer-to-peer uh, -peer networks I'm going to also put this thing on IPFS and other streams because um, we really do need to do something about it And then we land on the flip side of things, where once you um, start hosting your own nodes, then you get stuff on your computer that you don't want. You start getting dark web stuff coming across your desk, snippets of it landing on your computer, and then you're opening yourself up to... Um, invasion of your privacy by the police because then they'll have a just cause to say oh well look, we found these files or parts of these files that you were hosting on the collaborative internet and it was being used by bad guys and now we're going to seize your server and come into your home <clears throat> so we still need to go back to some kind of network of trust communities of interest
and that's going to get into more problems. Like, well, do all my listeners have to run a node at their house? What's the cost of that going to be? Or some will serve other people. And there's a lot of different things going on. thinking about work. Thinking about work. Oh man. It ain't cheap to set up computers. And uh, YouTube was operating at a loss for a long time. And uh, the ages of... See, this is where we get into... This is where we kind of get into this idea that I don't like about Telegram. Like, I uploaded my video, it was two gigabytes, yesterday, onto Telegram. And it went actually quite fast. Now, how can Telegram post all this content? Like, who's paying for that? And I got onto all these discussions with um, one of our listeners on this topic. Like, how can they afford to host these videos and all of this stuff. Who's footing the bill? And when are they going to shut it down just like YouTube? You know, and really are we getting into all these investors um, who are footing the bill for a while and they want to see a return on their investment when they sell it? I even saw some walkers on the walk path. Looks like they know where they're going. So 
So there shouldn't be too many cars here. And it really kind of gets into that question. Now, if I claim my stuff is art um, and becomes an art candidate and accepted into a system of art, then maybe I'll get on record and my stuff will be saved because some institution has decided, some institution of power with funding and resources has decided to copy it. But what if they don't like what I'm saying? So we have freedom of speech and freedom of press, which means we could print pieces of paper with our own printing press. We can create bytes on our phones with our voices on them. But how can we send them to other people? You have the freedom of the press, but it's not free transport. So you created that file, but how are you going to share it? And that networking, that transfer, becomes the problem. How do you get your pamphlets out? What's your distribution network? And I think that's what we have to attack here, is the distribution network. And I'm sure other people have done it before. So the nice thing about archive.org is it also has a torrent so I can upload my videos and files to archive.org and then everyone who's listening can torrent that episode. And that's nice. And then we need to have a podcaster, a podcast app that will work on the torrent, an RSS feed that feeds the torrent. And then, um, then we can get rid of the central hosting as well. Once we get enough people in the torrent, subscribing to the torrent. Morning. So that's one idea. And um, well, we're going to have to have some way to uh, discover new new episodes. So maybe the RSS file on the torrent um, gets updated, and people will say, "Oh." This file is out of date, so we basically need to have a way to mark a file as out of date and pull a new copy or pull the new blocks off of it.
And if we do that, we pull that RSS feed and then we will pull the new content from that RSS feed. And it should be pretty cheap to post this information in some chat. And there's a million different chat apps. There's even some nice uh, dec encrypted ones. So, we could uh, distribute some seed information or some information about the different uh, torrent clients up over this chat room, or multiple chat rooms, even a peer-to-peer -peer chat. Like, I could just send someone an image and in that picture of me, I have encoded the IP addresses um, hidden in the picture of the IP addresses of the uh, torrent servers. Something like that. We'll see. We will see. Okay, so we discussed this transport. We discussed, but we haven't discussed how the guy in the cave was able to communicate. I mean, if trees can communicate and bees can communicate and the flowers interact with the bees and the trees interact with the bees, creating flowers, that's also communication. Over long periods of time, different genotypes communicating with each other, sharing information, evolving together. finding some kind of symbiosis. Some win-win situation. And, um, So it is quite interesting to uh, 
it is quite interesting to have this uh, platform, this podcast platform. And as I said, there was like four different other systems that I found that I could upload to for free. So I have to um, work on um, automatically publishing to those as long as I can until they shut me down and create some apps for that. It's like clone this RSS feed and push it to these other places, including the torrents. I'm not the only one who needs it. So this will fall into podcasting 2.0, multimodal distribution, resilient distribution. Like how can we, preserve things also the blockchains and the libraries and all that fun stuff we're going to explore all of it a distributed podcasting app like where's it gonna run does it matter and um, I think the gold standard for micro apps is SDF the um, super dimensional fortress SDF.org go get yourself an account there it's a shell account you pay 30 bucks you get lifetime membership you get like some basic stuff and you can run tiny scripts on there for free it's this ancient ancient system a unix system bsd and i had a podcast that i uh, had a podcast a uh, a blog post at one time of all the free different accounts you can get <clears throat> google will also give you a free shell account Amazon has a free tier. Everyone has some kind of small offerings. So the code for this podcast tool should be runnable on all these different platforms. I think Python would be fine for it. some zip file that you uh, put there pointed at the RSS feed good morning And um, it's okay to use Anchor as long as it's up. But we have to prepare for the day that it's down.
and um, this is why we need to um, This is why we need to uh, set up our own domain that I control, that I own. I'm going to start getting a domain name because I don't want to be the beggar. Yep, I guess we're going to need some infrastructure, kids. some infrastructure and the funny thing is, is that there's these spot instances which are super cheap they're like unused unallocated hardware at AWS that they can terminate at any time Those are super, super, super cheap. about work again. Damn. Yeah. So yeah, those are kind of the things we've been thinking about. Chain to the wall. But what I'm really trying to get at is that the guy who's chained to the wall, maybe there's someone else chained to the wall near him that they could talk to and exchange ideas with. And they can't see each other, they can only hear the voice. I have to actually reread the story. And they could discuss the shadows that they see and have conjectures as to what's going on.
and they might start giving names to people based on their shadows. Oh, that's Billy Bob again. Look at him and his donkey. He comes by every morning around this time. And they start to paint stories and give names to people. And then eventually, if these people get out of the cave and go see what's going on outside, they'd be blinded by the light and astounded by what's really going on, the three-dimensional shapes. And their whole shadow world would collapse. And that's basically the situation that we're in. In some way or another. Now the No Agenda show does it right. They're funded by their listeners. They said 2% of the listeners support the show. But they have a lot of listeners. The value for value model. And I think that's a very good idea. And I guess we're supported by listeners to other podcasts on Anchor.fm, and I think they belong to Spotify. And hey, one of our listeners is listening to us on Spotify, which means they're listening to ads. So, what does that mean? That means our podcast is monetized. just a question of when will they get flagged when will we get flagged for bad thoughts and taken off of Spotify when will the advertisers say we don't want to appear next to this hacker Mike dude pointing out things that we don't want to people to listen to unsavory content, disgusting, so we have to prepare for that day, my friends, when we get despised, despised, and it's funny, the word speise, speise is German for food, to eat, in Kosovo Albanian, which used to be part of the K and K monarchy, they have a lot of Germanisms. The Speisekama, which is the pantry, which is just abbreviated to Speis. We're gonna put it in the Speis, 
means we're going to put it in the pantry. To despise means to throw up, to unspise it, to take it out of your mouth. I guess in the pantry sense, if you despise something, you're taking it out of the pantry to cook with it. So there's some, I love these words. What was it? Strafsteger is the K and K. So when I say K and K, I mean the Austro-Hungarian Empire. And I have a whole podcast I was listening to on the Austro-Hungarian Empire. The rulers of the world, one of the first multinational kingdoms who thought that they would take over. But unfortunately, they caused World War One and World War Two. And brought down Germany and Austria into defame. They got defamed. And uh, I watched this interesting movie. And I, I must have talked about this before. I watched this interesting German movie on the assassination of Franz Ferdinand, the crown prince of the Austrian-Hungarian Empire, who was against war. And um, his warmonger, the, the theory goes that his warmonger uncle or whatever had him assassinated. When he was in Bosnia celebrating Kosovo Day, which was the Battle of Kosovo, which is when the Turks took over the Serbs, um, on the Kosovo field, I think it's Kosovo Poya, the field of crows. Look at that. No. Not. The field of crows, the battlefield, where the Serb, the defeated Serbs, stabbed the Sultan in the last minute of the battle. And it was a supreme loss on both sides. And even the Albanians were lined up with the Serbs to fight the Turks. As far as I remember, the Orthodox or the Catholics. I don't know, I have to reread the history. But as far as I remember, ain't nobody wanted to see the Turks win at that time. And um, on Kosovo Day, the Serbian radicals shot with the crown prince, supposedly because he was, um, he shouldn't have been celebrating. And I guess they, the Serbs wanted their independence from the K&K. And we really need to uh, paint this whole picture here because it's such a complicated story. There was the Balkan Wars and uh, the breakaway of, of the different countries from the Ottoman Empire. 
the rise of nationalism. And then Woodrow Wilson stepped in after World War I to form Albania again. And there's a movie about that. Koha de Kometa, the time of the comet, when there was a comet in the skies. And that was the birth of Albanian. Such a complicated story. So many moving parts. Nothing is simple. I'm going to have to uh, study this whole thing again, refresh it in my mind, and then I'll do some podcasts on it. We should really uh, roll this whole thing back. And it's really a story that we never hear in the West. It's the story of the East. The dark east but uh, Peter and Paul were going through the apostles were going through the hills of Kosovo as well the mountains of Albania as far as I understood the cities there go back to that long ago. The roads between east and west, between Rome <clears throat> and Athens, go through the city of Prizren, an ancient fortress on the mountain, a castle. Very beautiful city. The port city of Dures, Duracium, the Roman amphitheater, castle of Skodra. I mean, there's so much happening over there. It's all connected. And that's how we get the word Strafziger which is the K and K word for the Austrian-Hungarian word for Schraubenzieher or Schraubendreher or Schraubenstraf to a screw driver, a screw tightener. And to tighten is Strafziehen in the Southern German dialect, the Austrian dialect. And that would be the Strafziger which is what the Kosovars call the uh, screwdriver. So that's how we go from the spies to be despised to the screwdriver, and then we go into the whole history. Isn't that funny? How we have this whole network of words and concepts. And the words also represent the conquest of nations. 
They represent the history, the oral history of memes. And where did the meme come from? Where did the idea come from? And systems of power that propelled those memes and gave them resources in life. I guess the screwdriver was a modern concept that was brought in by technology. They're like, oh yeah, we've got the machina, we've got the machines, the mechanics. And, you know, the Chobani living up on the mountains with his cows and a stick, he hasn't changed. He's still up there. The Hirte, the, the shepherd, walking up and down the hills with his goats, grazing. They're still out there in Kosovo and Albania. I guess Greece, the Balkans. They're up there for thousands of years. They haven't changed. When they come down to the city and they see these machines, these steam engines with screws and screwdrivers, and they're like, what is it? Oh, that's a screwdriver, a Straftiger. It's like, I've never seen that before. Okay. Well, we'll just use the German word because, you know. Now, later, there was Slavic movements to replace all the non-Slavic words. This is part of the nationalistic movement. And this was covered in another podcast on Slavic nationalism, where they would go in and borrow words from other countries to replace all the Germanisms or all the Anglicisms. A resurgence of power. And um, it wouldn't surprise me if there's also the schism between the, the the North and the South Albanians, Kosovars and the Tiranas, where they have the North, the Tosk in the South, and the Geg in the North, and then the slangs, thousands of slangs. But really, they also represent different centers of power. And um, in the end, because of ours were part of Yugoslavia and the Albanians broke off and they had their own revolution, communist revolution under Enver. Now I don't even know that whole story, but I do know that they probably nationalized a whole bunch of words and they changed a whole bunch of stuff and they're very, they always have wars on the um, open source translation boards about how to spell things. And they do have the worst choice of words for all technical concepts. And it just is insane how they Albanized everything, Albanized everything. And one of our listeners was mentioning that to me that 
they're learning computer science in Tirana and they're struggling with the Albanianization of these words and really this is what we're getting into is systems of power creating these symbols that have very short legs very short-lived memes nobody wants them but they're still held in place by the systems of power and what do you got you have a free education hey we got free education we got free health care and part of this health this education is the indoctrination and you have to learn all these new words that you'll never use and never want to use and will just confuse the hell out of you to represent these things and you won't be able to communicate with anybody because you have to relearn everything. But it's free. And this is what we kind of get into. That free ain't free. Free ain't free. you pay for it as well. Well, one of the reasons why you pay for it is because you can't leave for a lot of people. And guys in Kosovo, they can't leave. They can't get out of the country. And they have all these talented people who are stuck in Kosovo wasting their time but now they got the internet. So that's good. At least they got the internet. But this is the paradox. This is the paradox of things where if you're a member of the one community, once you're on the internet, might still be stuck with that community and not be able to connect with other communities due to the symbols, due to the language, the concepts, so that we have a fragmented internet and slivers and slices of the world communicating with each other clicks. And that's why Facebook groups people together onto servers. So you might have a thousand people on one server communicating, right? Or a cluster of servers. And um, people who are on another server, you don't get the updates as quickly. You don't see them. So it tries to group people together into groups where there are most profitable for them, where they have the most engagement with each other, and um, they have the most fights with each other, maybe, for clicks. To show them advertising. 
or to just fight, keep on coming back looking for more. But this is necessarily going to cause, and this is what's funny, is that people who I know from Kosovo take their Facebook so seriously because it's their only outlet that they control. It's become the public sphere. It's been raised to a higher level than ever before. And people are dead serious about their Facebook profiles. It's just amazing. I've never seen it before. And that, like, politics happens on these Facebook posts. And people still live in their bubbles. Literally in their bubbles. And it's not just right and left, like in America, but it's really language and culture bubbles. Clicks and networks of people interacting with each other. It's quite interesting. Same thing in the open source communities, where each project is its own little bubble, or each module. of communication or collaboration. thinking. I'm thinking, I'm thinking. <laughs> My friend, uh, I won't say his name, but he sent me a picture. He's like, I'm having coffee with you in the morning, Mike. I got you up on my screen, drinking my coffee, listening to the podcast. So that's cool. Thanks, dude. No one has told me that they've been inspired to go walking yet. And it is raining now. But I'm all set. I'm all set. My clothes are not getting wet. <clears throat> I got it nestled in my hoodie. I got my hoodie on my hoodie. So I can hood while I'm hooding. Yeah, I think today I'm going to restart my fast because I was eating good. I made some food yesterday. 
I had food the other day, and it's time for me to go back to starving myself, because I actually felt quite good, and it's good to take a break, and to, um, I made some soup yesterday with carrots and beets, cabbage, and yams, beef broth in the um, pressure cooker. It turned out great. Oh, there were some beef bones as well, leftover beef bones. Cook that all up. thinking about that, thinking about my family, visiting my dad up here, it's great to see him, I don't think he's been listening recently, maybe we threw him off with all this computer talk, he's more into politics, but really I just can't bring myself to even get involved with this politics right now. I secretly do hope that we don't get more of the Clintons. I really am very uh, wary about that. What's going to happen if Biden wins? I'm scared. I really am. But you know, everyone else was scared what would happen with, if Trump ran, 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 if he won. The world didn't end. And he didn't do all the things he wanted to do. But he did do a peace deal for Kosovo. We need to do an update show and find out how that is how that's going. It was more like an anti-China pro-Israel peace deal, really. But he made some kind of deal. So we need to find out what's going on. Everything is so complicated, though. Especially over there. Such a deep history. Talk about complicated. So, yeah. If you want a mathematical challenge, try and figure out the mathematics of the Balkans. It will blow your mind. You know. 
so many great minds putting so much thought into these Facebook posts. And so many opinions and viewpoints. Overeducated people, really. Very educated, very thoughtful people. Like my uh, wife's dad, who will write like these essays on Facebook. I wish I could understand it. I wish I could speak Albanian better. Oh my god, it's such a difficult language. And I'm really lacking in just any good books on it. It's not accessible to me from a language perspective. And I've picked up words. I have a pretty good passive vocabulary. But I never learned it like German. German has such great teaching materials. Germans could organize everything, and that's what I'm really lacking in Albanian. So any of my listeners out there, please send me the right way to learn it, because I can't figure it out yet. At least I got Nina Simone in my head instead of the, uh, I got life. She's got life and freedom instead of the, um, that Confederate song, which was driving me crazy. The Dixie song. Oh my God, I couldn't get that out of my head. Like Nina Simone versus Dixieland. Well, I'll tell you one thing I did learn from Malcolm X. He said, we don't need... I mean, he was basically writing that they, that the... Uh, his people should be self-independent and not require help and not learn from the other people. That they should stand on their own feet. And they shouldn't trust, you know, the others. And, uh, I tried to reach out with that one podcast to the uh, to one of the pers- people in the African American community in Trenton, and they never responded to me. I think I rubbed them the wrong way. So. 
try and reach out to him again. But, uh, I mean, I'm going to continue to read that book on Malcolm X and see what he has to say. Maybe I'll learn something more. Yeah, there's like a big cloud hanging over the city here. Almost like walking right into the fog. Kind of interesting. Thinking about work again, damn. Thinking about work, thinking about work. I need to start um, this renovation process today after, after work. I'm gonna get started on it. Just spend some time cleaning up, sorting through junk, with about a two years worth of work of that, oh my god, getting the bunker fixed up, but I think it's a beautiful house, it'll be worth it. Have an escape from insanity. Just trying to imagine how telecommunications are going to work if there's a global shutdown, a global falling apart. Who's going to listen to my podcast? Like that whole network thing we talked about. Who's going to run the network? How will you know anything? But how do you, how do you know anything today? Even when we're all connected, we're disconnected. That's such a funny thing. We're all bubbles. And this is the craziest, smallest click ever, you listeners of this podcast. You're a member of an elite group. So thank you. 
Thank you for your courage. Thank you for your service. And I hope you have a wonderful day. I'm going to sign off now. I'm going to go continue to listen to some other podcasts. And stay tuned for tomorrow's episode. We'll give you an update. And, um, yeah, send me some good uh, learning materials for Albanian because I need something that just explains to me the structure of the language. I haven't figured out the structure of the language yet. I really haven't. Like, I need to see a grammar. Can someone, like, show me the grammar? That's what I need. Like, no one's explained it to me yet. You know, where's my declination table? Where's my dare das? I guess I have to just learn all these verbs in the endings. I should just start memorizing them. And how each of these words get bent. It just drives me crazy. The endings on all those words. The 17 different cases. I'm going to have to just memorize them. I see that now. All right. Hacker Mike out. I'm just going to tack on this new video that I recorded and I'll attach the audio of it to the recording. So um, if you already download, I see we have one download. So, um, yeah, you might be missing it if you downloaded it before I added it, because I can actually edit these um, episodes afterwards. But, uh, yeah, I'll let everyone know. All right. All right. Welcome to the next episode of the video. Today we're going to go over this uh, diagram. I'm going to redraw it live. <clears throat> and try and make sense of what we have. And, um, well, let's get started. So we're going to start out with uh, this. And we're going to put a circle around it. Okay. So we're going to say this circle. Well, it's actually an oval. Or just a shape. Or is it a symbol? And maybe it's a word. Or are we talking about this page?
and maybe we're talking about this audio, this sound. Or is it a video? This video. Or are we actually describing a concept? This concept. And is the symbol not somehow an encoding of the concept? So we have the decoding or the concept is encoded into the symbol the shape is drawn by the hand on the page Or is the sound coming from the mouth? And is the sound decoded in the ear? Now, the word is related to the symbol. The word the word is related to the symbol, and the word is related to a concept. And uh, that's a little bit tricky. Let's get back to that. We'll leave those unlabeled for now. And the sound is part of the video. And the markings of the pen Create the shape. We draw the markings with a pen, with a hand. On the paper. And 
in the video of the camera. And this is a table on the table, well, above the table, camera above the table, and it's actually on another table. We have the small table and we have the big table here. And the page is on the big page and a page of a book. We got a couple pages left. Okay. Now the camera's on the table, on the table, has the video, has the sound, speaking from the mouth. Connected to the mind. So we're going to put the brain over here. Here's the brain. Here's the hand. Here's the mouth. Here's the eyes. The video. Well, so we also have a scene where we have the camera, we have a light source. I like that blue better. Camera. The light hits the camera lens. It's recorded onto the SD card. Encode. And then I will upload that to you. And the hand is encoding, is making the markings. We have the hand over here. Yeah, we have to reorganize this diagram again. Now, this is a graph, this graph. These words are nodes in the graph, and these lines are edges in the graph. And the graph is a mathematical concept. Now we haven't even gotten to the um, a collection of words. They're all interrelated. And, uh, you know, this whole encoding and then transfer, upload. 
internet share yeah and we haven't even gotten into the whole memory and how the uh, computer works um, but this is a self-referential uh, diagram again we're talking about kind of what we did before where we had um, this page of memory um, to send to you this page of paper so we're going to connect this page of paper to, to this part of the diagram and then I can then send it to you um, have some coffee I guess we could flip the page over we have some more space now on today's podcast we talked about these networks of people these graphs of people these clicks here's me here's you I'm sending you the file I'm sharing it with you you might share it with somebody. I might share it with somebody. And that creates the reach of this idea. But if this idea of the self-replicating idea replicates and expresses itself in a different way, well, this is a long story now. And is this idea not just another bad copy of this is kind of where we're going to get into the Y Combinator and maybe I can do it visually. So I was thinking, well, the way I understood the Y Combinator is that you have a function and its parameters and when you apply the function to the parameter, it produces the function and its parameter, something like that. But there was something else to it where you could contain something else. We need to actually revisit that whole thing. It's hard for me to draw it, actually. 
I'm going to have to um, think about that. But basically my idea was you would um, contain this function, if you call it, will produce itself, but will, it will also, uh, this parameter will contain a data y. that could change over time, y1, y2, y3, and that's the what's carried. And this y1, 2, and 3 could be some message. It could be a list of nodes, like here. So this could be like a list. So this could be Alice. And this could be Bob. And this could be Cindy as symbols in memory. So that's kind of what I was thinking as the uh, this Y Combinator would be the self-replicating function that when you call it, it'll replicate itself, but it also will contain some other information on top of it. It would be the carrier function. And all of this data would somehow be encoded into the one function. So if I send you this function and you run it, it'll spit out this data. And that's kind of what we're getting into here with these um, self-replicating. And there's these things called the quines where the function will emit itself. It'll print out a function that will, when you run it, will run the function. Okay, and then um, one more thing I wanted to go over. Let's just go over this memory architecture real quick from on my understanding. So we have a computer. And it has the registers. which are a certain bit width. And important registers are gonna be the um, instruction pointer. And uh, the address pointer, like data address. and maybe just some numerics like and maybe a float 
or maybe these are just different types of data that can be stored in one register and they're all the same. And then I guess these would be operations. So the instruction would be in memory and would be fetched. So you have your bus system connected to the computer and on that bus you have devices like disk and network and you have also memory but it's a memory hierarchy and you have got a cache L1 cache L2 cache, and then you've got pages of memory, and then you've got virtual memory on disk. And a page that these data address, part of the address would be the page address, and part of the address would be the met part of the page. So the data address would be split into like pages, page, page address and the um, the part of the page with it and the these caches would contain either pages or parts of pages that are pulled in and that they would there'd be a certain amount of data that's stored in those caches. So when you fetch it again, it'll look in the cache and it'll fetch the memory. It'll fetch, actually these caches are on the, um, on the chip itself and not in the bus. Registers are on the chip itself. And um, there's a pipeline that fetches the data from the pages through the cache And um, if everything is perfectly organized, by the time you need the data, it'll be loaded and you can be prefetched. You can say, oh, I'm going to need this data, so start to get it. And you get the timing all worked out. So the data will flow in from disk or network um, into the memory. It'll get loaded into pages of memory, I think. and then be read into the computer as needed. Um, that would be the pipelining. Yeah. And instructions were also fetched from pages of memory. And you also need an instruction pipeline. Because if you keep on changing your instructions, if you have a huge instruction, if you have a huge amount of code, then the actual loading of the code and the jumping around can also cause you to uh, swap pages. All right. Well, that's kind of uh, what we got for today. And uh, I hope that you enjoyed this um, little uh, episode. Thanks.